Welcome, Longhorn fans. I'm Bobby Burton. This is On Texas Football. Uh, talking a little Big 12 Media Day action. Steve Sarkeesian took to the mic on Wednesday, as did uh, players like Jade Barron, uh, Jalen Ford, Quinn Ewers, uh, Xavier Worthy, also in town as well uh, for Media Days. Uh, a nice showing for the Longhorns, in my opinion. opinion. Uh, Jordan Whittington also there. A lot of uh, focus uh, overall on a, many teams across the Big 12. Obviously, I'm going to talk about a little bit about that. I want to uh, say first some things about uh, Steve Sarkeesian in his press conference, uh, both in front of the greater Big 12 media as well as in his Q&A session uh, with, uh, with uh, in an individual breakout situation. Uh, it sounds like Sark is continuing to feel very strongly uh, about this roster. He reiterated what he said immediately after uh, the uh, situation in, uh, ended in the spring. He felt like it's his team now. Uh, these guys understand what he wants and how he wants the program to re be run, and it's going according to plan. Uh, I thought one of the things that was interesting as well, uh, the topic of leadership in Quinn Ewers came up multiple times across multiple interviews, not, not with, just with Sark, but people were asking Jalen Ford about it. They were asking Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington, myself included on some of this. Uh, and I, I felt like it was interesting. The answers were almost, they weren't, you know, exactly the same, but they had the same thread or undertone to them. A lot of them uh, were, hey, I feel like Quinn's starting to be the leader we can be. Uh, interestingly, uh, one of the uh, items that came out of uh, the uh, press conference and media days is something that the quarterbacks had been doing actually caught on with the rest of the team as well. A lot of people saw the photo uh, of the players, uh, you know, kind of posing in front of the cameras, et cetera, looking ripped. Uh, it seems like that that actually caught on uh, beforehand with other position groups as well throughout the team and other position groups throughout the team started staying over and doing longer workouts uh, this summer uh, and late spring as well. So uh, I, I know that a lot of people are looking for overt signs of leadership and or uh, on the field type stuff, but it's the off season and this is all we have. And I, all I can say is from my vantage point, I was there uh, in uh, Arlington at Jerry world all day uh, is that, you know, essentially it feels like not only is it Steve Sarkeesian's team, but I feel like the, the players are accepting Quinn more and more uh, as a leader. I want to come back to, to talking about those guys in a little bit later uh, as well, some more about Steve Sarkeesian. But I, I wanted to also introduce some topics that I found interesting uh, from every coach that showed up uh, at the uh, Big 12 Media Day. Uh, I'm going to start with Sonny Dykes. Uh, he uh, really uh, started the day off. A uh, lot of talk about not only Max Duggan win winning the uh, inaugural Bob Bowlesby Big 12 Male Athlete of the Year and being the runner-up for the Heisman Trophy, leading TCU uh, to the national championship game. Uh, but what's more, uh, Dykes was also grilled pretty hard about Kendall Bryles, uh, the, his new offensive coordinator with Garrett Riley taking the same role at Clemson. Uh, and it was interesting. Dykes uh, defended the hire, said he's known Kendall since he was 13 years old. Obviously, he coached uh, together with Art Bryles at Texas Tech, uh, both as assistants at the time. Uh, and so he went on defending that. Um, but, you know, getting away from that, because I, I don't want to involve that kind of drama in, in what we're talking about here. 
what I found probably the most interesting is he felt like last year his defense was really solid, but he was primarily an offensive-led team with a lot of uh, veteran leadership there. Had three receivers drafted last year. Had Max Duggan, Kendra Miller, the running back, drafted as well. Uh, but he talked about how he thinks they're going to be as good or better on defense this year. Now, they lost D. Winner, uh, which is was probably their best – most active player on defense may not have been their best player, uh, but everybody else in the back end that he feels like they bring back uh, and they should be better on defense in 2023. 20, uh, now that's interesting because Texas was stymied more by them than perhaps any team uh, in the conference last year. Uh, and that was something I found interesting. The other thing Dykes said about his team that, that everyone needs to be aware of, he's really, really high on the two offensive tackles he has returning. And uh, now he did le- lose a big uh, piece of the uh, interior uh, with his off uh, with his center. Uh, I think going in the second or third round. But Dykes was the. I, I don't want to say he was playing coy uh, to that point because he certainly wasn't, uh, you know, scaring him, being scared about Big Twelve or trying to play it down. He said he wanted to be more of stake and less sizzle. Uh, so more stake and less sizzle for TCU. He thought that might be where his team is this year. He also uh, was talking about the the importance of the running game, uh, which I want to go to next um, and talk about Mike Gundy. Uh, Gundy was not only if people heard about what happened on Wednesday, uh, Gundy was was very I don't, bitter may not be the right word, but resigned and uh very direct to lay blame on the loss of the Bedlam series to Oklahoma because Oklahoma has decided to leave uh, the Big 12 Conference. That rivalry obviously meant a lot to Mike Gundy. Um, But what was interesting was it it sounded to me like he had already made a decision of who his quarterback would be in 2023. That was the first thing me and Ian Boyd uh, of Inside Texas were sitting next to one another and Ian leaned over and said, I he knows who his quarterback is if, if he's talking like that. And I, I agree with Ian uh, and his take. But what was very interesting, he spent a good amount of time talking about how he felt like his team had gotten away too far from the run game. Um, he said back when we were winning, and look, we were winning 10 games and we had great quarterback play. So I was throwing the ball all around, but I kind of lost track of the run game. And he took he took responsibility for that. And from the sound of it, um, I think that while Texas does not play Oklahoma State this year, what we're going to see from Oklahoma State, if I'm not mistaken, is a team that reemphasizes the run game. Uh, he feels like he's got the, the talent to do it. Uh, he's got a good young running back. Uh, he did lose Dominic Richardson, but he, he still thinks that's a uh, that's a situation where he can get up get back to the run game and try to build back the culture of that offense to not be so one dimensional with the passing game. Um, uh, let's talk about, uh, you know, university of Houston. Uh, Houston was one of the uh, two teams that went uh, on Wednesday uh, that uh, are newcomers to the big 12. Uh, Dana Holgerson, obviously the coach formerly at West Virginia now at Houston. Uh, interestingly, uh, a lot of talk about the, the QB battle. Uh, there at Houston, Holgerson, the biggest thing I, I took away from that is he feels like it's going to be a couple of years probably to where they can level up 
uh, somewhat to the Big 12, but doesn't mean that, that they can't challenge immediately or compete immediately. Uh, he does not feel like he's hurting at wide receiver despite losing his best player on the team last year. Uh, he does have a, a quarterback that he's trying to groom right now, a couple of them, uh, to replace uh, uh, to, uh, Clayton Toon, uh, the young man uh, that uh, started for him for four years at U of H. Uh, but the biggest thing for them, and this was a big number for me, University of Houston has 42 new faces on their roster this year from a year ago. 42. That's exactly almost... I mean, it's one less than half of the 85 allotted scholarship guys, all in one year. Um, very interesting to me. Um, perhaps the most, I would say, outside of Steve Sarkeesian, or, or perhaps including Steve Sarkeesian to some level, you know, the most impressive coach to me in person in two different uh, areas. I saw him not only at uh, behind the uh, the dais at the the big part of the media days, but also in individual interviews. Lance Leopold. Uh, the uh, coach at Kansas, I feel like he's got the temperament to be a really big winner for a good period of time. I, I feel like almost he's a little, he's got a little Tom Osborne. I may not reach those heights, a little Bill Snyder uh, perhaps, but maybe not. I mean, Bill Snyder was a, a very standoffish to the media and to anybody really that that uh, asked him much that didn't have to do with his football team or couldn't help his football team. Lance Leopold is a little bit different than that. Um, he's got some real substance to him. Uh, talked about how uh, they've used the transfer portal uh, to bolster their offensive line. Uh, they are loaded on offense, in his opinion. Uh, and, you know, looking at his roster uh, with the running back, Devin Neal, quarterback Jalen Daniels, uh, coming back as well. Those were important uh, mentions. Uh, but also, he's got a good receiver group. But he thought that his offensive line would be improved because not only are they returning all their starters, they're also, or four of them, I think, they're returning or, or grabbed a couple guys in the transfer portal that had seen some serious time elsewhere. And so he feels like he's got his best offensive line group to go on top of the best skill group that could I mean, potentially best skill group for what they do on offense in the conference, because it's not only uh, very highly skilled, it's also experienced skill uh, in uh, Jalen Daniels, Derek Neal, and those guys as well. Uh, so that's uh, that's that. Uh, Dave Aranda, uh, the head coach at Baylor, uh, interesting to me, his father died uh, recently, and uh, he uh, was clearly shaken a little bit, I thought, to start the press conference. Um, and, uh, you know, who, who wouldn't be, I, you know, I don't know what else to say to that other than, uh, my thoughts and, uh, thoughts go out to him pretty strongly uh, about that. Uh, you know, I think that probably the biggest subplot for him was, uh, he was trying to take some responsibility, uh, for the team's performance a year ago. He, he definitely felt like they underachieved, um, and, uh, some of that he put on his lack of attention to the transfer portal. He kind of shunned it uh, a year ago to his detriment. Uh, and rather than uh, sitting back and not attacking it this offseason, he did he did decide to do that and go after it and bring some guys in. Uh, the question is, did he do enough uh, to, to really bolster the roster, enough to compete in the Big 12? 
you know, hearing some of his 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 players uh, on the record, it seems like Dave Aranda has good control of, of the Baylor program. The question I have is whether or not they're going to be in control and good enough on the field to keep giving, uh, because I don't think Baylor wants to go into the the Big Twelve, Sands, Texas, and Oklahoma with another losing record like they did a year ago. Uh, and Baylor is not one to. Uh, they do give coaches a long period of time, and Aranda certainly you would think has time, given the fact that he won the Big Twelve just two years ago. Uh, but uh, we'll we'll see where that goes. Uh, he is, uh, by the way, going and headed to uh, California uh, for his father's uh, memorial service on Sunday. Again, uh, sad thing uh, to go there. Uh, for uh, Kalani Sataki, the second uh, guy at Bay- BYU, BYU plays at Texas, by the way, uh, this year. Uh, I found something out interesting in, during Steve Sarkeesian's press conference. The coach at BYU was actually, he actually hosted Steve Sarkeesian on Steve Sarkeesian's official visit to BYU as a undergrad. So their relationship goes way back. Uh, and uh, so they've coached against each other uh, since that time. Uh, and I, I think it's interesting overall. Uh, Sataki was, uh, you know, very, I, I don't know if affable is the right word, but amiable. Uh, very, uh, I, I thought he was nice guy, sounded uh, not not necessarily upbeat, but very coach-like. Um, he did not get into too many specifics on his roster, uh, but definitely felt like he could play in the Big 12. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. And... Of all of the, I would say this, of all the media folks that I met uh, in uh, or new media folks from whether it's Central Florida, uh, Houston, uh, Cincinnati, uh, BYU, BYU definitely had the largest contingent of media folks. I mean, they they truly do have a, a national brand uh, as well and, and probably carry a national brand into the Big 12 more so than any now existing teams coming into the big 12 or that, that outside of Texas and Oklahoma. Right. Uh, so think about it that way. I, I feel like it was a good juxtaposition for, for us to think about uh, because BYU now may be the big team in the big 12 in some ways from a brand perspective, certainly a bigger brand than Texas tech, Baylor, Houston, uh, Oklahoma state, Iowa state, uh, Kansas, uh, Kansas probably has a bigger one in basketball for sure. Uh, but, uh, interesting, uh, nonetheless, uh, they are, uh, very excited to be in the big 12 as well. They have been a long time, 
independent uh, as well. Won a national championship as an independent uh, back uh, in the the 1900s, I guess is the way to say that, right? Um, I want to speak now more about Sark uh, and what I saw today and and heard uh, and kind of translate that to you guys. I really um, continue to hear consistent messages and themes from him. Uh, It's not just culture. It was Jalen Ford, for example. Uh, I asked Jalen, you know, what is it about Texas right now that has changed in his three years? Uh, Did the same with Jordan Whittington uh, as well, because they're guys that started with Tom Herman, but it's they've become uh, real players under Steve Sarkeesian because of the natural progression of their careers. Right. And I think that Jalen Ford just feels like there's a consistency. Um, you know, he, 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 I'm not sure he used that exact word, but it was that kind of feeling. He felt like Sark had been consistent and they have been consistently improving day in, day out. It hasn't been peaks and valleys, so to speak, even when there were peaks and valleys on the field. I mean, uh, speaking of Sark and, and he was, he's like, look, uh, you know, first time we played OU, uh, we scored a lot of points, but I was just hoping they didn't score as many and they end up doing it. And the second time we played them, I was, we scored a lot of points. I'm like, oh, don't, don't score any points this time. And so what I mean by that is Sark was still had this level head about what had happened. He now, after he goes eight and five, he can kind of, you know, kick himself a little bit about getting out to big leads like he did in, in uh, uh, the first year at Texas and still have some humility about it um, and understand that, Hey, he's here to uh, he's still trying to do a job. The next job, Uh, Texas, uh, none of the players shied away from the fact that they want to win and win big Uh, this year. uh, What is big, you know, you know, it's, I think Quinn Ewer said something about, we need to be the best team every Saturday. Uh, And I, you know, I, I think that they're, they're on the course. Um, I also spoke to Xavier Worthy. Uh, young man out of uh, Fresno, California. He was actually the first Longhorn I spoke to uh, on Wednesday. Uh, and, you know, I asked him specifically about his hand injury a year ago. He did not want to get into the specific injury. Uh, he, he said, you know, I knew he was wearing a cast late in the year. I didn't know what it was for around his wrist and hand um, during the off season, whenever, you know, nobody, uh, when uh, he was going to class, that kind of stuff. He took it off, obviously, for the games. He, he didn't want to reveal that, but it, he he definitely had an injury. And I asked, well, what what is it? And he goes, well, I, I'm 100% healed now. He did, couldn't tell me the exact injury, but he's 100% healed now, which is great. That's number one. N- number two, I said, well, what, what are you working on? He said he's working on his hands. Um, he's catching a – he didn't tell me the exact number, but every day – He's catching at least it sounded like he's catching two, 300 passes, whether that's a jugs machine or something. I, I don't know. Uh, that was one. And then the second uh, he was asked about the deep ball. I asked him about the deep ball and tracking it uh, better. Uh, he said that, look, a lot of that is just on me. You know, I it, it, it is what it is. At the same time, I'm trying to get better. Uh, and he specifically mentioned receivers coach Chris Jackson at this point in time and said, look, I'm leaning on him a little bit to help me. He's got me doing some new things uh, to try to make me better at that. That's what coaching's for, right? And I, I, 
I will say this about Xavier Worthy, and coaches have said this day one for him. He works hard in practice. I mean, I I remember the very first report. Like he he doesn't act like a like a prima donna or anything like that. He doesn't act like he runs a ten five. Um, 100 meter and, and is all that he actually gets after it in practice. And I will say this, if he takes coaching uh, and can do that and move forward, you're going to see an improved uh, Xavier worthy. Uh, interestingly, uh, another hot topic I thought uh, across the board uh, was, you know, AD Mitchell, the wide receiver from Jordan Whittington from to Quinn Ewers and Xavier worthy. I asked all of them how, the, how he's doing in, they think he is. He started coming on the second half of spring. You saw the spring game. Everybody saw what he did there. But they felt like he had come on the second half of spring and tried to kind of catapulted into the system during the summer. So, I, in other words, they think the climb is going forward. You know, he's he's you know doing the right things uh, to keep getting better and better, uh, and they've they've seen nothing that that would lead them to believe that he's not going to be a major part of this team this year. Uh, and that, that of course is the young man from Georgia that transferred in uh, over winter break. Uh, so, you know, those are, those are some news and notes. Uh, Quinn Ewers was also asked uh, who are some of the young guys in the secondary that are making some plays that maybe people aren't talking about. He mentioned Manny Muhammad, uh, the uh, young man out of South Oak cliff uh, that started at cornerback in the state championship game came in early Looked good in the spring as well. Austin Jordan out of Denton Ryan. Uh, and then he mentioned Warren. And I was like, Warren, okay. That's Warren Roberson, uh, the guy that we had talked about here on On Texas Football and at Inside Texas as well about uh, how good he has been so far, even though he's only been around the program. He's a he's not a mid-year transfer or mid-year signee. He, was, he didn't get to Texas until May 28th, uh, yet uh, he's already uh, got the uh, attention of some of the upperclassmen. All right, uh, that's going to do it. Uh, that's uh, my recap from day one. I, we will have a, a full uh, media thing from Sark uh, as well on this channel later. Uh, and I, I will say this, from sitting with Joe, Ian, and the guys at uh, Inside Texas during the media press conference and reading and helping look over some of the stuff, they're doing an unbelievable job. So please uh, consider a subscription to InsideTexas.com if you don't have one. Uh, and want to read all about the the ins and outs of uh, Media Day, as well as what Steve Sarkeesian said, Jalen Ford, those guys. Uh, I think they got nearly every word said, and, and there was a lot for a, a full uh, eight-hour period there that they were following uh, the, the staff around. All right, that's it for today. Uh, I will have more. Uh, we've got uh, not only Steve Sarkeesian, but Jerry Hamilton yesterday was down in Louisiana. I want to talk to him later today as well. Uh, but for now... Uh, I'm Bobby Burton, and uh, thanks, Longhorn fans. Uh, this has been On Texas Football.